0: Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. P- wealthy
1: kids. Black kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm not going to get into what I know or what I don't
2: know. Here's what I know. want is the
3: suppository of all wisdom. It's like medicine. You have to, you have to, you have to write this stuff or else what are you, you going to do with the feelings inside? latest episode of the Lever podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, First of all, I just want to acknowledge that we are recording this on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri, Boomerang and Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and uh, sovereignty was never ceded. That land is, was stolen. Land always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Uh, yeah, really lucky to have in, like, two amazing people in my life. So, Melanie, you would know, everyone, audience, from several episodes of Season 1. Being just This is my ongoing mission to recruit Melanie to be my co-host in this thing and just... You know, if you are like me, you'll love Melanie kind of vibe. Uh, so, welcome, Mel- Melanie.
0: Thank you, Luke. My feathers are suitably fluffed.
3: Excellent, excellent. Um, I live to fluff.
0: Corey, I've always seen you as a bit of a
3: fluff. <laughs> Off to the side, guy. Uh, Corey, thank you for coming. First time. First time. This is exciting. This is exciting for me because uh, I don't like make friends and meet people just to like have a good life anymore i think this person will be awesome on my podcast and this has really become my only criteria as you know because i won't fucking shut up about it to you right
1: right yeah well congratulations (laughs) i finally made it yeah Yeah, thank you you so much
3: thank you both of you So there's one concept for today, unlearning monogamy. Can each of you tell me a bit about why have those concepts been on your mind? How did we come to discuss them and sort of what matters to you in those conversations or your own thoughts that you didn't have with me?
0: Well, for me, it's just been a progression, really, like as life has gone on. The interrogation of um, how I want to live my life and who I want to live my life with. It's just an exploration that has sort of led me down this path, and as a curious person in terms of maybe biology, but also in terms of personality. So, and and I have a spirit of questioning normy norms. So, um,
3: this is why we're friends.
0: <laughs> I guess that's why I've got a microphone in my hand.
3: <laughs> and Corey, why aren't you just looking for? A boyfriend that you can have like a short little limerence Mm. period with, settle down, get married, be happy, have a house, have a car, have some kids, bam.
1: Well, maybe I am. I don't know. I think that's part of the journey. Right. Yeah, I think I want to create those agreements with the the people that I welcome into my life as we go, not with expectation that that is going to be the way that it flows because
2: Mm.
1: people change and people's values evolve and the context shifts and, you know, one day you're working in the city and the next there's a fucking global pandemic and you can't see anybody in the flesh. So if the whole world can change in an instant, then you have to expect that relationships will too, right? Mm. I really – that really resonates with me and I think that goes
0: to the whole curiosity thing for me. Mm. So if I engage with somebody who is steadfastly of a particular opinion, regardless of what that is – that's inherently quite uninteresting to me Mm. Uh, because where is the flexibility and the curiosity and the growth and the capacity to go on an adventure together so if it's straight out I I just 100% don't do non-monogamy and actually I'm kind of in that situation with a couple of lovers now so maybe it's not that I would throw that out and haven't done but also there's a finality to that so Mm. it's sort of like okay so this adventure is only going to go this far that just got a little bit less interesting to me equally if i was engaging with somebody who was like yeah no can't do the swapsy sharesies thing i'd be like well
1: this isn't gonna go too far or for too long which so is quite limiting to potential.
0: Yeah, particularly with the setting that we've got, like mm. everything's up for grabs, and nobody can predict where this is going to lead to, mm. and with whom.
3: Mm. For me, like like believers meant to be about like lived politics, so it's it's uh, not like boffiny policy shit on the TV that you're used to, and it's not um, academic, disconnected sort of high concepts it's it's the lived experience of all of us normal folks just trying to do it every day so like for me what's political about uh non-monogamy or unlearning monogamy is just that notion that the way things are like we learn and inherit all these ideas a lot of familial stuff and a lot of stuff from our peers and our friends that just just the notion of saying uh, thanks for showing me that, but I'm actually not interested in that. I've thought about it and I've even tried it and I'm really, I'm really not up for that. So I'm really glad. If you're saying it works for you, that is fantastic, um, but I'm not into this. I believe there's some other ways that we can live and kind of connect with each other and stuff. Like, Mali, I want to ask you, like, is the way you reacted about those limitations and curiosity and possibilities, have you always been that way? Or are other elements that that made you prioritize differently?
0: I wonder sometimes how much of your upbringing plays into this. And actually I was listening to this really interesting uh podcast by um the host is I think her name's Christian Trippett or something like that and only got sort of about 10 minutes in but she was interviewing this psychologist and his area of expertise is sort of cellular trauma and what he was saying and particularly with a race lens to it we have intercellular Kind of intergenerational trauma, potentially, that energetically resides within us. It's almost like an imbibing of energy based on somebody's values or lived experience with whom we hold very dear. You call it family traits. I call it intergenerational trauma.
3: Mm, mm, mm. So, so what, like the preferences are?
0: Yeah, yeah, and your value set. Mm, mm. A- and so, to go back to your question, uh, having been a child of a very dysfunctional relationship of of my parents, maybe, and in, in all likelihood, that planted a seed that this this marriage business, this monogamy marriage business, which I saw with my very own eyes, ended in Affairs and divorce and just the worst kind of chaos. Maybe I want to find something out other than mm. that because that doesn't look very good from my vantage point. Do you
3: think like the kink community is like mainly full of divorce, like children of divorced parents? Well, like,
0: we need like- a study on this. I mean, it's so fascinating, isn't it? Mm. So perhaps that's where it started.
3: Well, if nothing else, like I think I've only had five big love relationships, but I actually feel like I've had 105. So the memory of past 10 maybe that doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> That might explain why I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps. I don't know.
0: Where does it start for for you? Like, wh- why why are you not just swallowing the pill?
1: Why are you not running with the herd?
3: Hashtag the good wife. <laughs>
1: uh, I always tell Luke that I'm uh, being pigeonholed as being like in past relationships as being quite wifely and like this good wife persona. Men have been very eager to possess me and very eager to settle down with me in a way that's like, you would make a fantastic mother to my children. And in some ways, I guess thinking about what you were saying about looking at your kind of family model of what a relationship is, what love is, I guess my parents, I actually, I feel like my parents had a really stable, really loving relationship and still do, but there's definitely some inbuilt cultural ideas whether it's within their relationship, whether it's just a, like a generational thing, mm-hmm. like um, whether it was just the time that they kind of grew up and mm-hmm. formed their relationship, but there are really traditional values around like permission seeking and I don't want to say control, like they're very egalitarian, but my mum makes reference to the fact that if I hadn't met your dad, I would have taken this other career path and my dad maintains that like it's fine she always could have done that but in her mind she kind of had to seek permission that wasn't that wasn't necessarily readily given because then dad had these other plans and ideas that she that she prioritized he didn't ask her to but that she did because she felt like she should have to and i think that has been that behavior carried into my life and i conveyed that that's the person that i was and so i set up that relationship dynamic within some quite serious relationships in my life and I fucking hated it. I was like, Mm. I found myself in this very, like, these very dependable, very recognisable relationship structures that also were incredibly stifling and I reached this point in my late 20s where I was like, I don't fucking know myself at all. I know myself in relation to someone else Mm. in this domestic setting that feels very comfortable like the career choices that I've made also reflect this dynamic. I've always worked with kids and with families um, in some capacity. And so I've kind of adopted these like real um, suburban normative ways of living through like looking up to these sort of mentors um, living in very similar situations. And then I was like, wait a second, I'm about to continue to make some very serious life decisions about settling down and having kids and whatever. But I've not chosen any of this consciously. And so, yeah. I, you,
3: you left a relationship that was by all intents and purposes going fine, right? Yeah, you absolutely. shockingly left and you were like, now I have to travel in a very structured way? Yeah. Like, that was, was that because of this stuff? Was that because of, yeah, hey, wait, awesome. this isn't for me actually?
1: Yeah. Well, I'd started to realize there was like an awakening within me that I was starting to read about non-monogamy and... Um, even things like environmentally, like that I was becoming passionate about, like sustainability and permaculture and.
3: So you'd have to fuck some hippies. <laughs>
1: You've got to get down with them. Totally.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Some sort of osmosis, that transference of different values and ideas. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of like, there was some things flickering inside me that, uh, because of the dynamics that I had established in this other relationship, weren't, thriving and weren't I don't think ever able to thrive wouldn't have ever thrived in that setting or at least not in a time cycle that would have been rewarding Mm. to me and and that would have made sense in a time frame of having to decide whether or not to have children with this person Mm. and yeah it was going wonderfully we loved each other very deeply but I needed to kind of step away and and deconstruct my life and reconstruct it in a way that was meaningful after experiencing many different Mm. communities Mm. mm. I'm
0: curious, was there a moment, like a turning point? What was the thing that made you like the light bulb moment of going, Oh my god, my my career choices, my romantic choices? A really hot added-
3: tradesman came to the house one day, <laughs> or, like no nope, I have to talk to we have to have the talk. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it just about loving one person? Like, you fall in love with someone else, but you do in love the... Like, Capacity to
0: have feelings for others.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, when I've fallen out of love with people, it's because I've tried so many ways to build the love in a particular way with them. And then there's a certain point where that becomes untenable because none of the compromise points that we find end up being okay with me
2: Mm. and
3: there's a point where it adds up to something and you round it up to a relationship and then there's a point where if you're not at that threshold it actually rounds down to a breakup Mm. like that's 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 for me i sort of think about it that that way because you can't sort of be in a relationship with someone who's sort of right for you you're all the way in a relationship with someone who's sort of right for you Mm. so you have to either round it up or round it down to nothing Mm. and when you round it down to nothing and break up you leave all these great traits and all these great connections and you know the next person you meet is going to have those traits. You have different traits. You Mm -hmm. have different Mm -hmm. connections. One idea that I think is important is that like monogamy requires controlling and regulating and kind of denying your attraction for others. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even if you were never going to do anything about it, it's really not in your interest to even acknowledge that it's there because Mm -hmm. that is sort of a rabbit hole um, that you would, and we all know what rabbits do so
0: (laughs) don't mention the rabbit (laughs) so
3: so yeah like it's you just can't even it's so hard to even go there i mean i've had some very jealous relationships and for me i didn't like how i was when i was jealous so i just decided to not be jealous i got counseling and Mm. i just sort of haven't been jealous since like um i I only feel jealousy when i'm feel like the relationship otherwise i'm missing out on things that i need and then i start to wonder if they're wondering and you know that's that so feeling jealous then is just a sign that i'm not getting what i want Mm. in the relationship
1: is it jealousy then or is it a sign of feeling
3: yeah it feels like jealousy feels like jealousy but it quickly just from the counseling and stuff i've had i always want me and the person with to be choosing each other like it's important to choose each Mm -hmm. other and not just have that complacency set in where you sort of like oh god and you you know you go out and you see those couples where they talk so disparagingly to each other and even when it's a stylistic yeah it's horrific isn't Mm. it yeah so i just decided i just don't want that i want a purposeful life Mm. With a purposeful relationship, but yeah, for for me, that desire being shut down, like some of the, some of the, like the interim relationships, where that just being able to be with someone and be like, oh, check out that hot, like that hot bot or mm. wasn't that person really cute with us, the way they interacted with us, or so whatever, fun
0: brings a whole extra fine, dynamic right? to yeah, the relationship it's curiosity
2: and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: But also, and I think you touched on it before, like with the jealousy piece, that that is so key to this conversation and mm. so what to do with mm. that. Because
3: it's not like you suddenly stop being jealous, but it's like yeah. how do you interpret it? How do you read yeah. and then how do you respond to the jealousy? And
1: is it ever about shelving it all together or is it about just saying, well, actually I would prefer to be jealous in a, in a less monogamous relationship mm. than I would to feel restricted and bored within mm. a monogamous setting. Mm. Like, it's, is it a Absolutely.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And I think, um, and I, I think I was telling you, Luke, about this. This is sort of based on a, a current sort of relationship dynamic that I've got going on.
1: But
3: the good scissors.
1: <laughs> I, I think I cottoned onto that, by the way. We did have good scissors in the house. Mum would never let us use them.
3: Of course, he did. <laughs>
1: I've never heard that did expression, I'm good, sure. Did you not have good scissors in the house? Probably.
0: What do the don't good scissors it. mean
3: to you, Melanie?
1: I
0: just thought we were like going into Leso territory. Yeah. <laughs> we are. <laughs> As a person of strong emotions, um, I have, with much self reflection, identified that one thing, and there are many, that I don't like about myself is jealousy. And I really dislike it in others. I find it of all the things that you could be, that's the one that I find the most ugly. Mm. And I've actually done a lot of work with counsellors around my strong emotions and I have come to understand that emotions are natural. Jealousy is just an emotion. It's totally natural. But, of course, like When we parent our children and we say it's not feeling the anger or feeling the emotion, it's what you do with it. Mm
3: -mm. There's a choice in your responses.
0: Absolutely. And Mm. for me, that crystallization around but I actually don't have to be a slave to this. Mm. The feeling of it is natural and so long as I catch it and now at this point in my life I can identify the physical manifestation of it Mm. and I can switch on what is that? oh, that's got the feeling of jealousy. Oh, I don't like that. Mm. I'm actually just going to make a choice to not go there. Mm.
1: And for the most part, that's pretty successful. Mm. Mm. What does it look like for you when you notice the jealousy? What is is the physical manifestation of jealousy? It's a retraction. Mm.
0: It's a little bit of adrenaline. And it's a retraction Mm. and it's a really pathetic. And and the context with which I was experiencing it recently is I'm seeing a man Mm -hmm. and a woman Mm -hmm. and I'm seeing them together. Mm -hmm. And we had this very frank conversation about how that three-way with all its connections, Mm. relationship. Was to be, and and how was it that we could be fearlessly honest and and committed to really transparent communication mm. and really loving and caring of all of us and respectful of all the relationships?
1: Mm. How far in are you guys to this
2: relationship?
0: Um, a few months. Mm. In the conversation, I offered a bit of transparency and truth telling, which was that when I hear of them together. Mm. I go into this, and it feels pathetic. Uh, a retraction, mm-hmm. and then with a bit I'm, of adrenaline.
3: That's such a, a great. I'm adrenaline. so glad you said that. I learned a lot just listening to that. Mm.
0: And I noticed where my where my thinking had gone, and it had gone into a little bit of what about
2: me? Mm. <laughs> it isn't
3: fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A
2: bit I of totally poor me, or something. That. Yeah,
0: and that is just no. That is not. Where I want to be. And mm. and so that whole thing, that just took one and a half seconds. Mm. Mm. You know, it's so yes. fast. Mm. That's it's, such a normal reaction though. Of course mm. it is. Because it's
1: like a human instinct to want to be with Absolutely. your Absolutely.
0: Of course. Mm. So, yeah, for me it's actually just about – Making better choices and exercising the muscle enough times and being committed enough. Mm. I I won't ever say that I don't get jealous. I do because I think I'm a bit like have a bit of ego. Mm. (laughs) But yeah, it's just about grabbing it and Mm. trying not to do harm. Mm to anyone
2: mm. or myself including yourself right yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah which makes me wonder if I can offer something that I noticed about the way you were describing that you used some really harsh language to yourself in that like you called yourself pathetic for
2: mm. feeling that jealousy mm. Mm. that's a strong um, word huh?
1: yeah it's really strong and mm. I, I feel like you're doing you're actually like i'm so impressed with the fact that you've sat with that feeling and you've identified it and you've brought it up in a group and you've committed to you know, being present with it and acting in a way that's in accordance with deeper values than the emotion itself. Mm. So I think that the word pathetic is not a good way to describe that within you and that's so
0: it's interesting it's just logically
3: not accurate <laughs> yeah. to describe where yeah. you're at when you think yeah about
0: it. it's interesting also because i prefaced all of that by saying i'd be i had done work with counselors around basically not judging strong emotions and yet my language is extremely yeah. judgmental mm. so there's still some yeah. unpicking to do on yeah. that the
3: return of the repressed or something yeah <laughs> no, also wasn't that story going to a place about how you then volunteered this thing, were you going to tell the rest of that story or have I just, like, fluffed that?
0: Um, no, that is that is the rest of the story. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah.
3: That is your role. Also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've oh Yeah. Fluffing's yeah. Yeah. just not my mind for some reason. Uh, it's <laughs> because we're here with a beautiful um rug, fluffy rug on the couch, and then the most fluffy <laughs> cat is right here as well. Who,
1: most of our clothing items are quite fluffy. Yeah, they? your jumper's yeah.
3: fluffy. Yeah, your Sox. socks smelly. Yeah, but, yeah, the cat is really not pulled like being mainly a passenger in this conversation, <laughs> Lola. Come You're on, not buddy. Not feeling any
2: jealousy. <laughs> but
3: you know, like I think that's really interesting because um, when my kind of I I feel like I've got still a really big foot in kind of like I, I actually don't like this term like the vanilla the vanilla kind of just accepting kind of the social norms and mm. the monogamous entity as a kind of a basic unit for like how our society works and stuff. You know, when I was in my early 30s, house parties turned into dinners between couples who talked about property and investment. I was like, what? Like, I did not get this memo. I did Mm. not get the memo that said this is what we do now. Uh, And... There's always, even before I had the language to articulate it, I didn't think that just being with one person, surrendering all, all of that stuff was the right kind of way to go about it. And like when my friends who aren't into this stuff at all and they're just, they just don't live on this plane, when they ask me like how can being in a thruple work or how can this work, um, like I say to them, well, the thing is, and you already know what I'm going to say because we've spoken about, you have to be awesome. You have to be <laughs> awesome all the time. You have to investigate yourself and there's all everyone's got a what about me and uh mm. but the thing is I I also think that in a monogamous couple there's a what about me too there's constantly a what about me going on
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh and you can sort of like sync together or kind of fly together I feel mm. um yeah there is a demand placed on yourself like which you kind of summed up in that You can experience that jealousy, but then it's what you do with it. Like, are you going to be your best self or your worst self? Mm. Uh, I know people whose lives get destroyed because they're just constantly their worst self in relation to jealousy. But, like, after I decided that I just – I was like, I can't be that bad person, that worst version of myself. Mm. I can't do that ever again. And what's weird, I never would have guessed this, is that that turned into – like, fast forward, like, over 10 years, and that actually turned into, like, a weird – Kink where I actually literally enjoy seeing my partner be with someone else. Mm. That that's not just a okay. Well, I'll just like put these noise canceling headphones on and uh, <laughs> get some No, it's it's actually something, and it's like wow, that's just so interesting and mm. and exciting. You know, when there's that trust and everything, when all the good vibes are there, I would hate to have not experienced mm. that. Mm. But I could have easily, if I just reacted to that jealous moment differently and not mm. sort of developed decided. To develop myself and be my best self. Mm.
1: Was that a conscious choice that you made to flip your perception around your the idea of your partner being with someone else as being a threat, which yeah. is what jealousy is.
3: Yes, yes.
1: It, well, that's how I mm. connect with jealousy. Yes. Mm. Um, a
3: threat, right? Yeah.
1: Was that a conscious choice to, to saying to say jealousy?
3: It was like holding myself accountable, like under no more circumstance, under no circumstances. Yeah, is it I guess... acceptable for me to act? off my jealousy like this
1: and so what was that point that you realized you actually took pleasure in your partner being with someone else was so
3: yeah I have to mm. fast forward way along and then just i think a partner's just saying oh this is really great and everything there's nothing wrong but i kind of want to see like someone else and being like oh okay and then just i think it was a long distance relationship i think mm. was, and that person was way younger than me and i was like well that's cool. You just do it. Like I'm old. I don't care. I've done heaps mm-hmm. of this shit. You you're still young. Like go on go and do it.
1: Mm. So it came from first generosity.
3: First generosity, like we've talked about this, Corey. If if I really love you. Like if you love them, set them free. You mm-hmm. know? It's like, oh, I really love you. I can't wait to put you on my mantelpiece or show mm-hmm. you to my friends and parents.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um and if you really love someone, then you want them to be happy and mm-hmm. fulfilled. And if they have those desires or fantasies and you can make Mm. that happen. Make it happen. Mm. Make it happen. And uh, I don't think that's right, but that's how I need to live. That's Mm -hmm. how I need to be. So I'm sure there's a lot of alternatives out there. And I'm not – I don't want to, like, shit on anyone. I would never shit on anyone out there just doing it differently, saying because of the way I'm made, I have to be like this. Like, I respect that.
1: No, but that's a big leap, though, even so. Like, so you've kind Mm. of laid out a couple of stepping stones there of, like, jealousy to – Generosity or jealousy to accountability yeah. to generosity. Yes, the accountability. But so that's important. still a big leap from generosity to pleasure.
3: But then the gen, yes, exactly. So the gap there—that's such a good question. The generosity for the, from there changes because then it's like, okay, well, what do you need to feel safe? And I'm like, well, how about this? How about this? And that's wait, like, wait,
1: wait, she asked you, what do you need? To
3: yeah, feel yeah. But then it's like, well, what do I need? Maybe, maybe you can tell me all about it. Well, we kind yeah. of, you know, like, mm, like after she was, with and it's like, was- ooh. No, no maybe uh, leading up to or after i'm not sure but mm. just having a discovery and i think that comes back to your curiosity word which mm. might be like the word of the conversation mm. that the, yeah it's like oh i didn't know this but actually i've discovered i've discovered something mm. which is that mm. actually that's hot it's really hot right mm. like, mm. and i would still feel jealous, and it wouldn't be hot if uh if I was feeling like my partner was neglecting me anyway. But mm. but even then, like if, if if my partner's neglecting me and I've been in lots of monogamous relationships, when my partner neglects me, it also feels shit. It also feels bad. But I notice now that the only time I would ever have that jealous feeling which you described so well, Mel, is when when other things are bad. So it's really mm. a sign that other things are bad. Like for mm. example, if I get angry now, I think, oh, I'm scared of something, I'm worried, I'm really stressed and anxious. So 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 the so it's not that I don't feel anger, I do, but when I feel anger, I just think, oh, no, that's immediately something else. That's mm. immediately a fear I have or an or an anxiety I have. Mm. And it's the same thing. So I might still feel jealousy, but I just think, oh, how am I not getting what I want from my partner? When I'm getting what I want from my partner, I don't feel jealous. I, I celebrate their oh, sexuality, exactly. whether it's yeah. with me or someone else, and the idea that it's not just about well actually now you being with someone else is performative for me but it's like actually I really insist on your right to have connections with other people and if you don't want to tell me that's fine because it's actually your business mm. I'm not trying to possess like go back to your possession mm. comment which really gave me chills mm. uh, when you said that because um it was uh it was like there are ways to show that you don't want to possess your partner. And I think like as a male with a lot of privilege, like I gain so much by deconstructing those sort of gender power elements. And one of those ways is to say, Hey, that's you, you and your thing, you know, you, the sex you had before you met me, the se- the sexual attraction that you feel that's actually not to do with me. That is your business. I'll give you that space. And even if that would be a challenge, even if that would bring up my insecurities and stuff. It's all just a challenge to be awesome. It's all an opportunity mm. to be, mm. Awesome. Mm. be awesome. I want to be awesome. I want to be around other people who can be awesome. Mm. And if you're going to be in like – if you're going to be in a non-monogamous agreement and there's so many different ways to do it and podcast can't be long enough for it, you have to find a way to be – you want to be awesome. But mm. everyone wants to have an awesome life, so why not? Mm.
1: What's the opposite of that awesomeness? Is it complacency? I think it's jealousy. I'm not
3: – it could be jealousy. I'm not mm. judging anyone else out there. I'm just going to say for myself when I'm in that place. Mm. It's um, laziness and fearfulness. Mm. It's when I've been in those relationships and kind of holding on too tight or, yeah, it's, it's, it's laziness because I'm, I'm busy with other stuff and I'm, and, and then it's complacency and, the, and fearful. I'm fearful mm. about it. Mm. And I think a lot of people in those relationships telling themselves they buoy each other up and make them feel better mm. but actually dragging each other down a lot. You see it at parties all the time. Mm. Totally. What were, we, what were you going to say?
1: Well, I was just going to, I guess, call out that there's a utilitarian aspect to complacency mm-hmm. where you can set up a dynamic within a monogamous or any other kind of relationship or any mm. kind of structure that allows, affords you the freedom to not be present all the time.
2: Mm. That yes, kind of yes. sets
1: you up for success in other areas of your life mm-hmm. so you can sort of be, I guess, mildly neglectful of a structure that's humming along well mm. in order to free up your creative brain or your presence and your energy and redirect it in other areas. Yes, mm.
3: yes, yes. But when that's mutual consent-based, great. Mm. Like two people who just have low sex drives get together and they consent to that and they say, yeah, cool. I think it's mm. awesome. Yeah. Oh, sorry, what was your example going to be?
1: What I was going to give the example of um, for a utilitarian structure that get, that empowers other areas mm. or frees up energy in other areas of life mm. is I think back personally to a period in my life where I was moving around a lot. I was moving to, from house to house. I was subletting. I was traveling. There was a fundamental structure in my life that was unstable. And so, so much of my energy was going to finding new accommodation and making sure it was in the right neighborhood and thinking about proximity to other things that I needed it to close to work and whatever, um, and that was fun and it kept things fresh. But it it meant that mm. I never was freed up mentally to focus on other projects in my life. That was mm. always my focus, mm. and sometimes that's how I feel about non monogamy is that there's always time-consuming, energy-consuming, emotional-consuming, emotionally-consuming projects Mm. in play. Mm. And while that's exciting and while that is a challenge to be awesome and to not be complacent because if you want to – honor those relationships those multiple threads in your life you have to be on the ball you have to stay present Mm. um it also yeah it's also demanding and so there are times in my life that i really prefer to have a closed monogamous relationship that has Mm. a momentum of its own and i liken that to the stability that i have currently in my house where you know i've moved back from a bunch of years and years of traveling and moving around i finally signed my name on a lease. And I have now almost ticked over a year in this place. Having a stable place to live has allowed me to make really purposeful career choices that have led to um, two new uh, communities opening up to me um, work-wise and um, building more meaningful relationships with the people around me and making investments in kind of longer-term initiatives, like like launching my own business, which is on Mm -hmm. the horizon in the next Mm -hmm. 12 months. I never would have had the energy to think about let alone do these things if i was still bouncing around from place to place to place so i think that there are there's a certain headspace that's afforded Um, when you're not trying to be awesome all the time and that can be really nice it's like pulling on your favorite pair of sweatpants and just Mm. being cool with them being not awesome you know
0: that resonates so so strongly for me and Mm. and that's why I said to Luke before we started recording like I'm just bound to be full of contrast and I am bound to do lots of Mm. contradictory kind of Commentary, because of exactly what you just said. Then, Mm. depending on what's going on in my life, depending on where my priorities are, and depending on you know what's falling apart, or you know um, how I'm expending you know my time and my energy and my care, really correlates to uh, for everybody. But where I am on maybe the spectrum of non-monogamy through to monogamy, Mm. and it is very clear to me that when I want to be focused on output, you know, that that is a time where I'm not fishing. like, Mm. And I don't have all the extra energy that's required to be fabulous and host and make sure everybody's got wonderful energy and just be, you know, in in that type of extrovert kind Mm. of mode mm. and how very nice it would be to just put on those sweat pants yeah. <laughs> yeah. and just have a snuggle and just go to bed. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Some people Early. still want to fuck yeah. you when you're wearing
2: those sweatpants.
0: There are pros and cons. And one of them was at the beginning of COVID where, you know, I saw coupled friends, um, pointedly saying on facebook oh you know these making comments about people still gathering or getting together or, or whatever and i was like well how fucking nice for you you know in your yes. heteronormative in your little
1: bubble. intimacy bubble mm-hmm.
0: You can weigh out this and we don't know how long it's going to be Mm. with the person that you care about. Yeah. I hope.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, When we haven't like hugged another human being in fucking six weeks. Whatever it might be if you're not within it. Yes. I had a moment
0: of time of like almost despair, like it was fear. It Mm. was fear and sadness, real Mm. sadness for myself that I was not coupled Mm. because I actually didn't want to face this big unknown thing completely on my Mm. own and I was doing so much at home time. I absolutely thought to myself it would just be so lovely that my hot water bottle had a cock, you
3: know, like <laughs> that hasn't been designed yet. Oh my designed. God, Industrial so designers idea. out there get to work. <laughs> Email us at the leave a podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Send pics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And ideally, would like bring you a cuppa in bed as well.
0: Oh, like absolutely, the absolutely. Yeah, mm. There
1: were times where I just sort of wanted someone to pat me on the head. Yeah. I was really? like it was all going to be okay. It was a scary time. Mm. Yeah. There was so much uncertainty. Yeah,
3: there's a loneliness to it too. Right? Oh yeah, we like talked about that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's really good to hear those stories. I actually think this is a great way of like rounding it out rather than like pitching this thing that's like a full-time party time. Like there, mm. there are like careful considerations and there's the titillation element and I'll always use that for the gag that I can possibly get out of it. But, <laughs> but there, there is a kind of a I, – I don't do like the DNM non-monogamy philosophy. I, I don't talk the language of polyamory very much. I try to tell people that I'm with what I want and and ask them and find out from them what they want and give it mm. to them. and not couch it in like an easy accessible language but i know a lot of people are comfortable with that what i loved hearing about that from both of you is like it sort of reminded me that when i haven't been like before i was in a thruple for like several months i i felt so on the shelf like I haven't talked about it much, but listeners know that I've had a disability and it's taken away my ability to walk and it's taken away my ability to sort of have a normal life and it's sort of come and came and went, you know, over over the years. Mm. I've often thought, well, I've done so many unique weird things. Part of that is my my sex life's been super weird. And what a relief because lots of people with every privilege in the world have just not had those experiences. So if now I have to hang it up, so to speak, I can. I, I can. I'm I'm grateful. I'm really grateful and um appreciative. And Whenever I think that, someone comes along and just pulls me off the fucking shelf and says, get in the game, dude. Like It's <laughs> like just being taken off the bench and put in the game. And, and right when I think, you know what, i kind of done. I'm happy to be done. I'm grateful to be done. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think that's like so amazing. So, so sure, you can have that utility and you can, you can focus on different things. We have these like complex roundabout lives, but, but I really appreciate being able to be, I'm just like this like middle-aged dude still being surprised all the time. <laughs> so that means so much to me mm. beyond the full-on X-rated titillation that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, for people when we learn, I mean, we should come back another time and talk about what mm. it means to just be asked what you want or to, to mm. answer that question of mm. what do you want Uh that's that's a very powerful thing.
1: Hundred mm, percent. I think I don't know if this is going to be another episode worth of stuff, but um, what you said just now kind of reminded me of that theory. If you guys heard of the edge of chaos, is that what it's called? Mm. The edge of chaos sounds familiar. Keep going. Does sound it's like my like- last
3: thirty five years.
1: <laughs> um, it is the acknowledgement that any thriving system whether it's an organism or a collective of organisms or um, larger structures in the Mm. world, they have a certain balance. Maximum. Um, Is it? No, not like a – it doesn't like you thinking about like critical mass of groups of people. Yeah, I think
0: I was starting to go down that path. Mm,
1: It's not so much that as a a level of chaos that's needed to um, produce a – a balance between – it's like for living systems to thrive, Mm -hmm. there has to be a balance between chaos and stability. Yes, right. Because to introduce elements of chaos to an otherwise stable system Mm. means that the system's integrity is tested Mm. in all the right ways and it allows things to be constantly vibrant and alive. Mm. And the way that you just described, Luke, feeling excited by, you know, constantly being – Surprised. Mm. Like that that's a level of kind of awareness or a level of awakeness, I guess, yes, yes. that you experience from constantly re- renegotiating your relationship boundaries. Mm, mm. I think it's interesting because for you, you know, within your organism, you have a high need for chaos mm. to thrive. Mm, but mm, I think mm. for other people and at other points in time and potentially for you at points in time as well, maybe that kind of chaos versus stability slider moves along that Mm, scale mm, mm, Um, and i think we all experience those ebbs and flows but there's potentially some kind of inbuilt natural tendencies as well that mean that some people really thrive in uh, with a lot less negotiation
2: mm. Mm. interesting you mentioned
3: the blue pill and the red Mm. pill before right Mm. like buying it buying it going oh yeah that's cool and and otherwise taking the pill that's like Mm. you're about to find out this is all a big artifice right Mm. in the matrix when they do go and plug themselves back into the matrix Mm. having kind of taken the pill and Mm. They come back with superpowers. <laughs> like they come back flipping <laughs> off walls and going into like slow mo and shit, right? Like life just gets more interesting, and they're mm. introducing a chaotic system testing element mm. back into the program. I guess that's happening with indi- individuals. Like mm. I feel that happening with me, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. We're all doing that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't maybe... like the
3: heroism of that. It makes me embarrassed. But really, oh yeah,
1: it's just who you are.
3: Hey, someone's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey the thing's you've... not
3: gonna fuck itself <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, but if it does that is also an ethical choice <laughs> to your point mel about like your frame of mind and your time of like where you're at in life i agree with you that like i'm up for different relationship structures at different times like sometimes mm-hmm. that stability and kind of ability to just let something go and have its own take on its own life is more important to me than the excitement and the fun and the Mm. constant negotiation
3: well when you start your business i think you should try to time that with having as many lovers as possible because that is basically (laughs) a free internship program of people willing to do shit for your business i mean that's just wow yeah that's just like a fucking horse and carriage for me like it goes together are you offering yeah (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Can I ask you the question about how your jealousy thread was resolved? Yeah. 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 Um, So I find it really interesting that you kind of got together with your partners and intentionally went into this deep, into this subject of jealousy and, you know, really have this goal for yourself that you want to acknowledge the feeling as it comes up and choose how to react to it. And I'm curious to know whether there was a resolution in that conversation with those partners or where how it ended up.
0: Mm, there definitely wasn't a resolution within the conversation at the time. And it would be true to say that my memory is somewhat hampered by the two bottles of wine that I drank. <laughs> <laughs> In order to get through that conversation, Classic. Yeah. tension released. Um, yeah. Overall, and a month later, what I would say is that the airing of our respective points of views, or dirty laundries, or how whatever lens and mm. however you want to articulate that, has definitely released. What was starting to be bubbles of um, second guessing, you know, energy gone wrong, mm-hmm. things like that. So it has definitely cleared the air. There were some very simple and obvious articulations around around how we would communicate and on what platform we would communicate, mm-hmm. and even in terms of really obvious things like. It would not be acceptable that if, for say, we'd arrange for the three of us to meet up, if you cancelled that, but then later on contacted one of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, so yeah, there was some articulations yeah. like that, which I, I think are kind of obvious, but mm. also... I'm really pleased that we know that and mm. I don't think that anyone would do that but mm. but now that we've said that we're all very clear that that's it makes a sense so that we don't could, want to that
3: would be a reasonable fear mm. they'll be, mm, be like well totally. that could happen we all have multiple google calendars yeah,
1: yeah, but <laughs> yeah but in this greenfield space where it's like well, everything's up for negotiation mm. then you know maybe those sorts of dynamics are too like mm. I think it's really wise of you to to call out that even though this might sound like an obvious thing actually It's an assumption, even Mm. though it's an obvious one. So let's call it out there, Mm. put it out there and say, do we all agree that this is against our values? Mm.
2: Mm.
3: Yes, yes. Mm.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I think with this sort of stuff, it's it's an evolution.
0: Mm. So that's sort of wave one and actually off the back of that landing quite well, I did propose that actually we did one night a month where sex is off the table because mm. that can be so complicating, mm. can be, maybe isn't always. And actually one of um, my lovers completely disagreed with that. Mm-hmm. But um, the proposal was we actually get along so well as friends and this airing and sharing is so healthy for us. Maybe that's a thing that we might consider committing
1: to mm, cool. Monthly. Like a relationship mm. stand-up.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) I actually have to confess to bringing in, uh, I'm a real, in some ways, like, yeah, total like systems nerd. And uh, there's this design process in software that I'm really obsessed with called Agile. And one of the techniques is that you you plan sprints of effort to design a particular product or service. And it's usually like a two-week cadence. And at the end of that two weeks, you look back and have a retrospective on that two weeks. And in your team, you talk about what went well, what didn't go so well, their outstanding questions, is there anything you could have done better or differently? So you're never planning more than you need to. And you're always reflecting and always improving. And it's about communication and support and keeping these dynamics and these live elements in play and acknowledging it. it's always a point in time um and that things do shift and change and that's fine Mm. and one of the questions that you ask is like if if there are a lot of things that you look back and say like oh you know we could have changed you might want to change directions entirely on whatever it is you're creating together Mm. and so when I think about this in terms of relationships I see the value in regularly um, checking in and also reflecting on the past and Mm. thinking are there any major elements that stand out to me as triggers to redirect the entire flow of what we're putting together here and in one of my past relationships I actually two of my past relationships I implemented um <laughs> <laughs> fortnightly retros
2: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is super yeah kory. it was so That's nerdy
1: kory, and well. it was great I think and one of them was like a lot more sensitive than the other and had like a whole nickname there's all these listeners it.
3: out there going oh, I did that,
1: Yeah, oh. I guarantee. <laughs> and a lot of other ones being like, I would never date that girl, yeah. <laughs> which is so fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think that's great that you mm. want to get the stand-up reference was also a part of the same um, mm. system, the mm. same kind of I process. think that sounds fantastic. Mm. Mm. Really helpful for a dynamic relationship in uncertain times.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: I agree, um, creating space to have those conversations independent of any particular issue seems to be really important because – if something's niggling away at you, you mm. always know you have a chance to raise it,
2: mm. right, as mm. opposed
1: to it just being in your mind and mm-hmm. it's like an incomplete item on your to-do list that yeah. you're like, oh, I've got to raise this and how am I going to raise it yes. and And I don't want to spoil this romantic evening coming oh, together. Exactly. And, and it's, yeah, the idea of like, no, like let's just have a night where it's not about sex, it's just about communication. Yeah. It's so mm. beautiful. You're creating this point in time to just check in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so to be continued.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> have the first session yet don't know. First like We had Well,
0: haven't... you didn't agree.
3: One of the lovers said no, right?
1: Uh, well,
0: it
3: was like vehemently opposed, was that?
0: Um, n- not vehemently, but did reject mm. the yeah, need okay. for. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't see the sex as being a complicating factor. So Ah. happy to have the catch-ups, but it didn't need to be separated Ah. Mm -hmm. so clearly from, Mm. you know, any kind of sexual
3: interaction. Mm. I I think also like uh, having this be a constant, like a series of, I mean, it does sound exhausting if you put it in like, let's make our whole relationship for years a series of sprints. You'd be like, whoa, whoa.
2: whoa. <laughs> 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 what, yeah,
3: about, man. what about sleep-ins and snuggles?
2: <laughs> But like, I
3: mean, to have that, to be constantly kind of renewing and, um, and kind of checking in and, and keeping it live and not taking things to granted and constantly asking and answering each other what you want and stuff. Like I know lots of relationships where I've had a way stronger sex drive than my partner or my partner's had a way stronger sex drive than me. And if that stuff's negotiable and you're not so possessive and you're not, your partner's not up on your mantelpiece to show off. Um, I mean, when, when, I, when I was with someone who had a much greater sex drive, like, I was like, please go and have sex with these people. Mm. And when I'm feeling hot, like you can tell me about it. And that is, that's super hot. I, and I think that's really cool. Mm. As opposed to like I can hear a lot of people out there think, oh, my God, how much power did you lose in that relationship? And the answer is that I gained so much power We should do a whole other thing on, um, if we ever talk about this again, on um, like submission and domination Mm. because for me like when you submit, when you give up things, you actually become the powerful. Like it's actually like a Hegel master-slave dynamic where like the slave is in a way more free – because they have no obligation then to be a slave, whereas the master has all these like, no, I've got to treat my slave right. I've got to do all these mm, things. So, mm. so there's like these um paradoxes about mm. giving up power or, or saying, no, please go out and have sex with other people. That just makes you into the most important person in that person's life. Mm. Um, so it, it's, again, if you love them, set them free. Sort of there's, there's some weird set of ethics and and sort of weird paradoxical ideas out there which you know we'll go into another time but Mm. if you're with someone who's got like a stronger weaker set you don't have to break up Mm. you don't have to abandon Mm. all the great companionship all the other great Mm. traits you just have to fucking have an honest conversation Mm. that's what you need to do and and keep having that honest conversation Mm. because you know you want to hang on to that thing that the relationship doesn't have to round down to nothing Mm -hmm. if you're willing to really negotiate and ask and answer what you want
1: Mm. what do you think i love it i think the continuity aspect of non-monogamy is something that i find really beautiful Mm. because whether it's a difference in sexual needs or emotional needs or communication in a monogamous situation if one person doesn't fulfill all those needs Mm. Then you have to end that relationship and move on to the next, mm-hmm. the next thing, the next person, um, in the hope that that person will meet those yes. needs. And yes. then the norm is that many people probably don't it's like. I don't know how many exes, like monogamous exes, you guys speak to still or have ex- friendships with. I don't have a lot of. Um, I'd say it's about you 50, 50. You have to move, on, you move, have on. To move yeah, on. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, whereas you know, not only can you in a in a non-monogamous setting, um, continue those friendships, but mm-hmm. also you can have multiple lovers who mm-hmm. all share different interests and needs.
0: all. I am seems- in touch
3: with them and they express mainly relief. <laughs>
0: Melanie. It seems impossible, highly unlikely that one person could serve all your needs mm-hmm. and
1: all your interests yeah. over a lifetime. Oh, but <laughs> you just haven't found the right one yet. Oh, well, I'll just have to keep on looking. <laughs> and looking as a woman, then. there is that's one. On you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there is one person out there for you. So. <laughs> it must just be because.
3: But don't I try have a too many or you'll be a slut.
1: Goods.
0: Oh,
3: yes, t- yeah. 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 <laughs> so many. Or negatives. maybe it's because Thanks
1: we're over dad. 30. <laughs> it's probably because we're over 30.
3: Try over 40. There's so much bullshit in that, Off right? to the spinster I mean, shelf
0: for me. <laughs> yeah.
3: I, I mean, we could do an episode just breaking all of that shit down because I think mm. the, way, oh, yeah. the way men and women can do and should interact with all that sort of fucked up over-regulation and, mm. and repression of, like, mm. female sexuality and women's choices, mm. uh, there's still a battle to stop women being ownership of, like, culturally owned by their men if, if they're in a straight relationship mm-hmm. and, and i think there's we think oh no that's in the past but no i see it every day amongst my lots of my friends and i think the responses by women for themselves with the obvious stake but straight men um have a, a really obvious stake too and there's so many ways to respond to unpick and unpack mm. that stuff and again i guess that's where People are like, oh, Luke, such a boner killer, making it political again. But, but actually, <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's an opportunity. That's that's lived political reality in our face every single day mm. in our in our most important relationships. Yeah. Who wants to say one last thing before we sign off? How do you feel about this conversation?
0: Oh, it's really stimulating. You all the right
2: places. <laughs> <laughs> I'll insert a sound effect there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I love it. I feel like uh, there are so many threads that I could just dive right into and um, I actually didn't realize how all of these threads were connected until we started talking about it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's just such a pleasure to hear from both of you about your experiences and what you value in being able to increase the agency mm. in your life mm. and, yeah, kind of design your existence. I think mm. it's really beautiful yeah
3: i think just uh but talking and swapping and the normalizing Mm. the the relief that i feel to know that it's not just my experience that's Mm. and i think that's the little kernel that i was following like hey god like come on let's let's like put this down on episode um one because it is political in surprising ways so it fits the brand of the show fine but I think people out there will listen to this and be relieved and maybe be lit up or maybe feel like, something that's just been like slapped down for 10 years Mm. might actually have like a little bit of sun and water to kind of grow and do something and Mm. maybe we can like break up some marriages and stuff
2: (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding sorry
3: i just had to shoot down their own accord (laughs) (laughs) i had to shoot down the pollyanna vibes
1: maybe you'll say we'll save some marriages maybe they'll be able to i don't know i feel like maybe relationship norms aren't uh the building blocks of society maybe we should be establishing communication norms and then everything oh absolutely
0: You know, I had that Mm. conversation with my daughter's school teacher where I was like when I look at what Pearl's being taught, I'm really not so sure that much of that is actually going to be useful in her life. And what I really wanna be wanna be seeing here is communication and relationships mm. and problem solving. Yeah. How is that the like, not an in antist- the curriculum? I got an atar of yeah, sixty
3: five, dude. Don't push me.
1: <laughs> no, but it's true. We're taught what and not how or why, and that's pretty fucked up. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well when you consider the building blocks for success in life, arguably, conflict resolution or actually if you just say communication.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah. I feel like in our Western culture we have this idea that we have to know facts and actually if we just have mechanisms for processing facts we're way better off because the facts Mm. always change. Mm. So if we have ways to respond to our context, namely communication, if we're talking about interrelational contexts with other humans, then it's okay, we'll figure it out, we'll we'll learn what we need to do, learn what we need to know based on where we find ourselves. Mm. But if we're learning all of this shit out of context, like, I don't know, dates and names and... Mm. uh,
3: Imagine if people left high school knowing how to split the bills with their housemates and communicate properly. Like yeah, how much like better diffu- off would like, everyone be? And
1: like diffuse diffuse an argument or yeah. like, mm. you know. Uh, Nonviolent communication. 100%, yeah. 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 Or deploying
3: really dirty jokes.
1: <laughs> comedy. Imagine comedy. if comedy was taught in schools. Mm-hmm. Imagine how much happier people would be. Well, this is why I
3: went from general elections to a podcast. Like literally. <laughs> Gross
1: national happiness. Yeah, that's right. The metrics are all wrong.
2: Mm.
3: Mm. Melanie, last thought?
0: Well, maybe I just want to share one thing that um, really helped me understand the longevity of relationships and therefore why monogamy is bullshit.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. This didn't come early on in the piece. This came uh, two years ago when I was uh, away in an ashram and I met a wonderful man who, who became a lover. And his specialty, he's a – I think he's like a transcendental therapist and his specialty is around gender and relationships and sex and sexuality. He's written four books. very well known. He's part of the world on this topic. And he does this great fusion of the science – and sort of the emotions and cultural and cultural norms and whatever mm. infuses that for an understanding. So what he says is that if you go back to cave people time, you know, from zero to nine months, really, that's the that's the baby creation kind of, Phase and it's marked in the body by an elevation of cortisol, an elevation of everything in your body. Your body is absolutely mm. pumping, and that's that in love phase that we go through we where we can't stop. Mm. We can't stop thinking of the other. Mm. We can't stop fucking the other. The reason we can't stop fucking the other is because we've got all these elevated kind of Mm. feelings and emotions and
1: chemicals.
0: Evolutionary
3: psychology angle of of how to interpret our culture of what we do. Mm. Yes. We're
1: being driven together to create a new life.
0: Absolutely. Mm, mm, mm. So we get to sort of nine months and now we have a baby, obviously. (laughs) Um, Enter phase two. Phase two is from, you know, nine months to about three years. Uh, In cave cave man and woman world – the young still can't walk, or, or as as the years go by, is in its infancy of walking, mm. so it still needs a lot of protection. Mm. It can't so survive
1: on its own. Can't survive mm-hmm. on its
0: own, mm-hmm. and it needs the two parents: one to be mothering, looking after, and the other one to be going and getting the food and doing the protecting and whatever.
3: It's very heteronormative, but yes,
0: and it's it is yes, um, it is it is marked by a much lower. It's a huge drop in adrenaline. It's a huge drop in. Um, or chemically, everything in the body, but not mm. down to normal, but just a lot, lot, lot less than like the that COVID
3: shutdown, high stakes but really boring.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then when we get to. But lovely, you're still enjoying lo- it. Yeah, yeah, still
0: yeah. still purposeful and uh, you're still getting some loves mm. happening. Yeah. And then when we hit three years, really unless there is some um, sort of Frontal lobe, strategic uh, planning, and and decision making about being together. Um, from a chemical perspective, you're down to like nothing. Wow. You actually don't have anything elevated chemically inside you to dictate that you have heightened level of feeling towards this person. Mm. They're the same as the cat or the chair <laughs> or the whatever. But, if you have a greater purpose, or a second mm. baby or, well, or a second baby, <laughs> yes, right um, and for me, that really helped me to understand when I looked at my relationships, where a lot of the the big kind of cracks happened, and also mm. where the guilt and shame that I would feel around about that year point, where I realized I actually didn't want to have sex with my new lover. Twice a day, every day, mm. all the days and weeks of the they weren't year. New to you anymore? Well, well, they weren't, and I felt really bad about mm-hmm. that. I felt like there was maybe something wrong with me. Why? Why don't I have a sex drive anymore? Mm. Is this something? Have I have I lost my sex to, what, what? What? What have I done? And what mm. can I do to go back to normal? Yeah, mm. no. No, nothing mm, is the answer. Yeah, nothing. you are normal. For feeling I'm totally that way. normal. Yeah. yeah, and and that three year point is a real sort of clear one in many of the relationships where it it just completely implodes, mm. or there's a bit of a recommitment. We like slog it out to about seven years, and then there's another one, and so on and so forth. Mm. Yeah.
3: So that's been like deeply interrupted by contraception, then. Yeah. Contraception yep. across the board. Yep massively decreases the iron people, like massively extends those time frames out and puts people maybe out of whack with yeah, their so, evolutionary so does brain. not to
1: mention the actual hormonal disruption that comes with those contraceptions. That's a woman's out. problem.
3: I don't have to think about
1: that.
3: <laughs> I want a male contraception out there. Like send it to me.
1: So do I. Yeah.
3: yeah so, so do I. I. Just a well placed kick in the nuts. Mm. Maybe.
0: But also <laughs> like when you consider the role of the church in that, like how dysfunctional it oh, yeah. Is to have had that structure sitting over what 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 the chemistry and the normal like flow the of relationships in the sheet. It's might
3: it's be. It's literally hole in the sheet. Like that's religion and sexuality. Mm. There's what a sheet religion up. is that? All of the religions, no. but I think Christianity. They literally put a sheet up. And there's a hole in the
2: sheet. Mm. There's still like the there's
1: still religious sects that <laughs> I love that it's called <laughs> <sex>. <laughs> yeah. Um that that say that that's how people have to have sex. Mm. Like. Yeah, it's I can't remember. Is it Christianity? Sounds maybe, hot then? though.
3: Like, if you look at it in a certain way, it's like, <laughs> super hot. Yeah, it's either
1: hot. like people like deep in a cult or like it's a real kink. Yeah. Yeah, I think They're I'd both, like
0: maybe. to see it in an immersive theater experience. <laughs>
3: Ooh. So, I am um, so I think that's interesting. I think my. My gayness makes no fucking sense in terms of evolutionary psychology. So I think it's interesting. I always think these frameworks and ideas are super interesting. Mm. But the truth value, I'm like, well, that is all very well. And I'm sure like Steven Pinker and those dudes like have an answer for this stuff. But, yeah, it does like it, I find it massively triggering. Um, also because I think those things you go, oh, well, we're out of that limerence period. So, so now I can actually use that as a reason to kind of like just – drop the fucking ball and put on for 50 pounds and Mm. sort of stop giving a shit and stop Mm. sort of being attentive to my lover and stuff Mm. so so i kind of um i recognize there's something there there's something interesting compelling but there's so many things that defy the model but but of course like with all knowledge like it's not it's all partial knowledge like none of it's like total complete knowledge so yeah i personally i have a very triggering reaction to that stuff Mm. but um whatever helps us like structure and go that's cool i can accept that i'm cool with that uh, then you know that's that's obviously got some some value.
1: You're yeah. saying that you are a structure and systems nerd as well.
3: Hundred percent. You know I am. <laughs> you know I am. And you know, like yeah, that reinventing relationships for me. I don't want. I don't want to feel like I'm on a conveyor belt with someone
2: mm.
3: moving into a a place. And I know, of course, people who know me can already predict my behaviour in like 99 percent of situations. Um, but I can still surprise those fuckers too. <laughs> You can see how my personality is just pushing back on this like theory of relationships. But, uh, Which theory? The, the, the evolutionary
1: device. psychology Yeah, one. the EV, yeah. EV
3: psych one. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also like I this like theory. I like that
1: abbreviation. I've not heard that before. Yeah. psych yeah. <laughs>
3: May not have ever happened before. I Ooh, don't know.
1: You heard it first here, folks. Yeah. That's all right.
3: All right. Well, there's like so many tangents. In fact, listeners... Right into the lever at gmail dot com uh, and let us know what we should pinwheel out onto next. So there's so many great tangents from this um, from this conversation, which in some ways is also a Catherine wheel of just being completely on fire as well. So uh, you know, just I'll just pull out all my wheel metaphors for the end of the episode that was planned. And um, yeah, I just can't thank you both enough for coming on, uh, Corey and Melanie. So. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure to have this conversation. I love I can't believe the honesty that we kind of get to with each with each episode. So this is like setting a new standard. All the other guests are gonna be like, I don't fucking match the fucking unlearning monogamy episode.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Luke. This is awesome. It's been delightful. So Thank good. you
3: both. Everyone's gonna be you, like, Mark, I can start listening again now. Melanie's back on. <laughs> people with has got fans out there.. So sure <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much uh, both of you and uh, stay safe out there everyone. And then the fucking theme song comes in and it's fucking snicker around. Oh, wow. so wow,
1: wow, wow. wow. I'm not going to get into what I know or what I
2: don't Here's what I
3: know. The intro track you're listening to is by Neil Lawrence, who's done a great remix of the bullshit song I made on GarageBand. So thanks very much, Neil, if you're listening out there, talented man. And if you're new, go and check out the previous episodes. You'll definitely find something that speaks to you so now it's time to like and subscribe to the lever podcast go over to youtube and check for dissatisfunctional.com uh spelt just the way it sounds this is the perfect time to share the stuff that you like with your friends so if you've liked the conversation today then please leave us a review in the apple store do have a patreon you can chuck something in the tip jar for two dollars and you'll get special unreleased b-sides but No one's got a job. How are you going to pay for that? You just have a listen. You enjoy it and tune in for next time. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. See you again.
0: The time now is 10.01.
3: Wow. Is that bad? That's already terrible for you, isn't it? (laughs)
0: It's okay.
3: Saturday night. Let's stay up till dawn.
0: Why don't we do a little... (laughs)